Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. May 16th is the big day in the city of Tempe, and yet yeah, it is time to talk a little Coyotes hockey. And joining us right now in studio, in fact, Gambo, dare I say, he's sitting in your chair and looking mighty comfortable what? doing it, I might in add. In my chair? Javier Gutierrez, the Coyotes president and CEO. I mean, it, trust me, nobody has ever dressed more nicely sitting in that chair <laughs> in, the, in the history of this entire building. There is been nobody ever who is tailor, a tailored suit. Oh, tailored is that what you're saying? A tailored he's, suit. He's got the embroidered cufflinks. Oh, oh my god! Oh, yeah, it's it's right on the, the air. I mean, the, are the initials in it? The, the, the initials are on there. Yeah, you've you've never rocked a suit like this sitting here doing a radio show. Welcome, Javier. How you doing? I'm doing great. I I do miss Gambo, but this chair feels awfully nice. <laughs> Absolutely, well, you know I'm not going to lie Listen. that. Well, then one day I'll have to sit in your chair. Oh, there you go. You make some take... of the big decisions that are going on. You're welcome to sit next to me anytime you want. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I should, you let me be president for a day. Uh, we'll shake some things up around there. Yeah, I bet you would. I wouldn't even want to know what you'd do if you were president for the day. <laughs> of the Arizona Coyotes, I wouldn't even want to know what you would do. Gambo's working from home today, but we've got Javier joining us in studio so we can really dive deep into landfill to landmark. That's sort of what we're talking about now with a vote that's certainly getting closer, May 16th. And I would imagine you guys over there at the Coyotes are really starting to fine-tune the message, get it out as loudly as you possibly can about what this project in Tempe means for the voters, means for the city, means for you and all the ramifications of it. Absolutely. Well, I always appreciate you guys having me on and and giving us this opportunity to really share this vision, this landfill to landmark campaign that we are in full throttle out in the city of Tempe. We're very excited about this. We're so excited. And Alex Morello has made a commitment, not just on the temporary basis at Mulleton Arena, but permanently to put over $2 billion of our money at risk uh, to build something that's just going to be transformative. This is not an arena project. This is an urban redevelopment project that's best in class across the country. It includes two hotels, uh, you know, the, the Rodeo Drive of Arizona, as we've dubbed it, in terms of shops and, and in terms of dining, uh, 2,000 units of housing, a 4,000-person theater, obviously our arena, which will be state-of-the-art. And if you've seen the video, and we encourage you to go to TempeWins.com, this is just incredible. The landscaping, the, the really the, the skyline will be transformed for Arizona, and we're very excited about it. And most importantly, we're going to put up all the money. Taxpayers will not be at risk. This would be the first privately financed, privately funded sports and entertainment district in the history of Arizona. And we thought that that was appropriate to then also bring to the voters. We proactively did that. As you mentioned, May 16th, it's a special election, mail-in only. So uh, April 17th, ballots will be mailed out to Tempe residents, Tempe that are voters that are registered. And you can start then submitting by mail or dropping off in ballots, uh, drops uh, by May 9th. And then May 16th will be the final day for voting.
Let's talk about the propositions because some people may be, okay, it's just a yes or a no vote. But there are three propositions, 301, 302, and 303. Explain to the people that are listening and the people that that are getting votes why it's important to vote yes on all three of them. Absolutely. Great, great point there, Gambo. It's three propositions, and we need a yes vote on all three. One proposition is for the development agreement that was a 7-0 unanimous approval by the city council of the city of Tempe. The second is the entitlements uh, in terms of what we're actually going to build. And then there was a zoning change to allow the residential, to allow the retail, to allow the shopping on that site. This is currently a landfill. It's 46 acres owned by the city of Tempe. And it's a toxic landfill that unfortunately last summer actually caught on fire and really caused a lot of of serious issues with the Tempe uh, firefighters. And so we see this as not only an incredible economic opportunity, but the, the opportunity to clean up a landfill. And so, yes, we need a yes vote on Propositions 301, 302, and 303, all of them. And we feel quite confident that when voters understand what we are proposing and the vision that we have and the commitment that we're making, and then ultimately that they are not financially responsible, that they are supportive of this. The one thing, and and you know, I've seen all of the information that's out there about it, and I would imagine one of the things you would probably want to make the most clear to everybody is the the public funding because that's always the big question now now at the way I understand it and please correct me if I'm wrong the way I understand it that if you do not set foot at all onto the piece of property whether it's the theater whether it's the arena whether it's any of the shopping it literally will cost you nothing right like it, it doesn't take it it's only if you are there it's only if you are using it, it is that correct you see you nodding your head that's no, how this works absolutely and let me let me take a step back so first and foremost, we're actually buying the land. So this is something where when this passes and when it becomes effective, we can begin remediation. We're going to wire $40 million non-refundable to the city of Tempe. And then immediately we're going to start paying construction permits and taxes of almost $10 million. So immediately the city of Tempe is going to benefit from this transaction. And then this is city-owned land. It needs remediation. It needs infrastructure. So there will be a special district created, very similar to many that have been used across Arizona, that special district will issue infrastructure bonds just for that. Not for us, not for the buildings, not for the arena, not for anything other than the infrastructure. The way those will be repaid is one, part of the taxes that are generated on site will be deployed just to that. And then secondarily, what you mentioned, there's a voluntary surcharge. If you show up, if you buy a ticket, a t-shirt, a pizza, we're going to charge you an extra 2% or 3%. It depends on where we stand in terms of the, the final infrastructure costs. If you don't show up, you won't pay for that. Your property taxes will never go up. The city of Tempe will never be at risk. They are not guaranteeing. The only guarantee of those bonds is going to be the land that we own, the, the buildings that we build, and then on top of all that, we will pay an additional assessment. So we are guaranteeing it all. Not only are we paying for it, we are guaranteeing it, and Ultimately, that leads to $7 million a year for the city of Tempe, free and clear for the next 30 years. Money that can be used for housing, for social services, for all the good things that the city of Tempe is doing. You know, I remember a, a, a song from the 60s in the year 2525. And so this basically, this ties you up until the year 2525, right? I mean, your commitment, if this, if this goes through and all these propositions get voted on, the Coyotes are 
required to be here for the long haul. 100%. Actually, you heard Commissioner Bettman even say, but it's also in our agreement, which is a public document. We have to sign a non-relocation agreement for a minimum of 30 years. The Coyotes will be here. And by the way, this is going to be ours. We're going to own it. So we're going to want to have the Coyotes as a tenant. So not only are we the team playing there, but we're the owners of the real estate project. So it, this is where you want to be. When you think of Tempe and where it sits in the valley, this will be the main and main of the valley You've had a chance to test drive Tempe, for lack of a better way of putting it, these last few months with Mullet Arena and and being you know relatively close to ultimately where it would go when it's all said and done. How do you how do you, how do you like the drive so far? How's it how's it handling the curves? How is it how's it doing? How's Tempe working out for you so far? Given you're kind of test driving it right now. One word: incredible. Obviously, the fan experience at Mullet has just been unparalleled. It's what you heard me say. And you guys were there the very first game. We never tried to lie to anybody. We said this is a temporary solution, but it's a brand new facility. We have made significant investments to make it NHL quality, and it's going to be fun. It's going to have energy. It's going to be electric. It's going to be loud. And that's exactly what's happened. The reaction has been, one, the centrality of the location yes. has made the experience great. Second, that's where all the activity is happening. When you think of population growth, when you think of corporate relocations and expansions, when you think of the fact that you're next to the largest public university in the country, that is the perfect location. And as you mentioned, we would be a mile and three quarters away from Mullet Arena when we build the Tempe Entertainment District. And let's be honest. I mean, you've done all the research. I mean, this is what your your fans want. I mean, this is a very central area compared to being out west and nothing against that arena it was a beautiful arena but there were a lot of your east valley fans that it was a trek and the traffic could be brutal it could take you over an hour to get there sometimes and when you were leaving at you know five o'clock five thirty um this is very centrally located to where your fan base is absolutely i mean you know one of the things that we've said over and over again is we, we love the west valley we are the arizona coyotes we're not just one part of the valley coyotes and so we absolutely still have a footprint especially with our youth hockey programs out in the West Valley. But the reality is this type of business, when you need people there on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday yeah. night, it really has to be where the population center, where people are coming out of work, where the corporations want to buy premium product like suites and loges. This is the right location. We believe in it so strongly. We're going to put up all our money to do it. All right, let's take a break here on the Burns and Gamble Show. You're good to stay around? Because I think we saw some other stuff we need to talk about here when it comes to this. Uh, Javier Gutierrez in studio with us here on the Burns and Gambo show again looking mighty comfortable in Gambo's chair when we come back some of the challenges presented with trying to turn this landfill into a landmark what are they and how are they to be overcome our conversation with Javier Gutierrez continues next here on the Burns and Gambo show Burns and Gambo afternoons two till six on Arizona sports the local sports leader Gambo working from home today here on the Burns and Gambo Show. So Javier Gutierrez, president and CEO of the Coyotes, joining us in studio, sitting in Gambo's seat. And the three of us are talking about this Mason. With the respect. Well, it's 
All right. You, you're Silence. Right. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, should, I should move I'll him. allow it for Javier. Uh, thanks. <laughs> you know what? Nobody I, else, though. I, I won't. When Kellen Olsen comes in in the next segment to talk Suns basketball, I won't let him sit there, Gambo. Does that make you, you feel better? Yeah, yes. Kellen, Kellen will have to sit in the Kellen seat. That's how that's going to work. Um, Javier is joining us in studio. We are nearing the day of the vote in Tempe. Now, let's, let's go over the particulars of this again, because you and I were talking about this off the air. The vote is on May 16th. It is a mail-only vote. So you, there's no ballot box for you to go to. There's no polling place for you to go to. You will get a ballot in the mail, and and that's your only way you're going to be able to vote on this. Tell, tell everybody again when the ballots go out and exactly how the process itself is going to work. Sure. So it is a special election. It is a mail-in-only election. Uh, you have to register by April 17th, and then ballots will be mailed to you. And again, it's only for the citizens of uh, Tempe, only for the voters of Tempe. So April 17th, register to vote. You will then get a ballot mailed to you. You can start mailing or dropping off okay. those ballots you by drop May them 9th. Off too. Okay. You can drop them off starting May 9th, and the last day will be May 16th. And so you have May 9th through May 16th when you can either mail in, which we are going to encourage people to mail in early, or you can drop it off. But by May 16th is the very last day. All right, let's let's talk about some of the benefits because there could be some perks coming to you if you're able to get this thing thing passed. And I would expect that you know we're talking all star game and maybe outdoor game. What have you been told by by the commissioner if you're able to get this through that that could benefit the the city and the state? Oh well, there's a lot. As and you mentioned that Gambo, that uh, Commissioner Bettman has been incredibly supportive. He actually came and stood next to us at our last public hearing, which was a seven zero. Oh, you unanimous approval by the city of Tempe and he was there for I believe four plus hours the entire night and he he got up and he said exactly that that if this passes that uh, the NHL would commit to whether it's a draft an all-star game I'd like to see us do an outdoor I've already dubbed it the the duel in the desert at Sun Devil Stadium ourselves and you know possibly a a Vegas Knights or uh, an LA Kings and so all those special events and in addition this district will host other special events like that because again it is not just a hockey arena that we're talking about we're talking about a state-of-the-art sports and entertainment complex that will have hotels that will have retail that will have a 4,000 person theater so we absolutely see this as a place where live events will be core we're envisioning anywhere between 300 and 400 events throughout the year so obviously more than just our 41 home games I, but the NHL has been very very supportive of us I, I got to jump in here what what's type of theater 4000 person theater what type of theater are we talking about so you're talking about it's called a banquet style seating so they're not fixed seating so you're thinking about you know larger comedy shows you're talking about smaller conventions you're talking about the opportunity to bring in a smaller a more intimate venue not a 16 17000 person venue but a smaller musical act that wants to be a more intimate setting it could uh, be a good place for my retirement party we could host it right there bring yeah, in like america to sing and <laughs> Have like four thousand people. You're you're gonna fill up the sixteen thousand person. Come on now, Gambo. People are gonna be there for you. I don't know if I'd be able to fill in forty, but we'll, 
<laughs> Javier, he's right. Actually, I don't know if he'd be able to fill more than 40. But, um, uh, Gamble, I'm, I'm, my concern is that you're going to retire before this thing actually is completed. I, I don't know if you're going to make it or not. That'd be my big concern here. What is the completion date? What are we looking at? Well, you know, we would have about nine months of remediation starting shortly after the approval of the vote. And so our goal is by, call it second quarter of next year, we're really into the ground of building. But what's unique here is we're going to remove one and a half million tons of trash. And so in essence, we're going to go down 30 feet and create almost like a back bathtub. So while we're taking out part of the trash, you're starting to build the foundation. You're starting to shore up the levee. We're right next to Tempe Town Lake, to right. the to Salt River, and which we at some point also hope to extend. That's a whole other project uh, post this. Um, but so we're going to start uh, building and then we hope to drop the puck in the 2026 season. So in the fall of 2026. Let's talk about the the benefits because there there are a tremendous amount of benefits with with, with the taxes that could be coming in, um, which a lot of out of towners will pay for too when they're they're coming to games and using the facilities and stuff. Four hundred and seventy three million dollars over thirty years. I mean, I'm sure this is why you had a unanimous vote. I mean, Tempe looks at this and they say this is a big win for us, and it's not just about this; it's about the tax money that could be coming in could be very beneficial to to everything that they want from you know hiring you know police officers to roads, you know fixing roads and adding roads and things like that. So that money could go a long way towards really helping the area. Well, let's let's put it in a couple of buckets. Number one, you're cleaning up a landfill. So when you're talking about environmental uh, improvement, that that's there's nothing better than you can do than to clean up a te- toxic landfill. But the economic benefits that you just mentioned, Gamble, are significant. You're talking about over 13 billion dollars in net new spending because of this district over the next 30 years. This will be the second most visited site in Arizona behind the Grand Canyon. We're talking over three million visitors a year half of whom will be from out of Arizona. So you're talking significant tourism dollars. The next thing is obviously 7,000 permanent jobs. And right. then what you just mentioned, Gambo, is significant new revenue, net new revenue to the city of Tempe for all those social services and community benefits that they are looking for. Almost over $7 million a year for the next 30 years, in addition to the $50 million in total that we are spending to actually just buy the land. It was thought to be the biggest hurdle out there was the airport. Um, and so I guess my question is, is that still the largest hurdle to this? Or or is there, as you're getting closer, has that been, has there been a solution to that that has allowed you now to move on to the next big hurdle that you have to clear on this one? Where do things stand when it comes to that? So the bottom line is the airport actually came out publicly and said that they were standing down from any opposition. Okay. So that is a public statement. They've made it. And it really stems from the fact that the intergovernmental agreement between Phoenix and Tempe does allow this. The the, the challenge there uh, really had nothing to do with this project. It really was uh, about the expansion of the airport, to be, truth be told. I mean, there is absolutely a need to expand the airport. We would be very much in favor of that. And I think that uh, the Phoenix and Sky Harbor were looking to utilize this as an opportunity to bring the city of Tempe to the table to have that conversation and that negotiation. But the airport has absolutely been very clear that they will no longer pursue any opposition, and uh, we we are moving forward. Okay, so then what becomes, what's now the big thing? Is is it just getting the word out, the inform 
information, the knowledge of, of what this project is about? Is that the, the big thing you guys are trying to do now? We have a lot of folks out there who just don't don't know the deal, right? You hear this and you're instinctually going to say, I don't want to pay for a new arena. I don't want my taxes. I don't want my taxes to go up or my taxes to go to that. And it's really walking through them how this is going to be a privately funded project for the first time ever. And all of the benefits that we just talked about, the environmental, the economic benefits, and then just what a transformative project this could be in terms of convening people, not only from across Arizona, but from really from across the world. We play an international game, and so the the Canadian snowbirds are going to want to come mm-hmm. and, and watch hockey and watch practice. By the way, our practice facility is going to be a community asset. It's going to be open to the community. It's going to be the headquarters of our youth hockey program, but it's going to be open 24-7 when it's not in use for practice. So we're excited about being that convener, being that project. And when you're talking about business opportunities, the business uh, community is very much behind it. The Tempe Chamber, the Black Chamber, the Arizona Hispanic Chamber, they are very, very much behind it. They see what this will do to the Valley, and we're excited about that. Yeah, I, I've lived in Tempe. I live in Gilbert now, but I grew up in Tempe, and I was interested to see the, the release that came out the last four mayors, I believe, from the city of Tempe, dating all the way back to the 70s when I was a kid riding my bike around there. I have all said this is what needs to happen. This is the right deal. So, Javier, we appreciate you coming down for a couple of segments and spending some time with us. We're going to have Bill Armstrong on tomorrow to talk a little bit about the trade deadline and everything like that. We just wanted to focus mainly on the Tempe stuff and the uh, the arena and that situation. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it, as always. It's good seeing you in person. Great to see you. Thank you so much, always, for your guys' support. You guys are incredible. Gambo, miss you, but I love your seat. Vote yes on those three propositions. Let's go. <laughs> that is Javier Gutierrez joining us in studio here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, he watched every minute of Kevin Durant's Suns debut. What new wrinkles did he see? Our Arizona Sports Suns guru, Kellen Olsen, joins us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olson joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. <laughs> That was good. I enjoyed that. I had to like that. that. Yeah, they, you, that was what, last week when that made its debut yes. and I was gone for the wedding. That was really <laughs> makes me sound extra dorky and anxious, which is a really impossible feat to do. No, I you do embrace every, it. Also, always, Gambo, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I respect I, that. I mean, I respect that you embrace your, your dorkiness. <laughs> no, I, I knew he was going to say that word specifically. I knew he was going to right. Everybody's got a freak flag. You just got to fly it, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just, just let it fly. It's it's okay. People are coming up to me and sounds going to be like, oh, you were less goofy than I imagined. Like, no. <laughs> you look just about what I expected you to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Great. That's great. Kellen Olson joining us in studio here. And no, Gambo, he's not sitting in your chair, so you don't have to worry about that. He's in his customary position here in the studio. And um, you're, let's just, uh, the elephant in the room. It's not even so much an elephant, but your initial impressions from game one of the Kevin Durant era. Yeah. Yeah, it 
It was a game that you didn't want to take too much from, obviously, because of the way that Charlotte, uh, their season has gone, and even the, the guys that they were missing on top of that. So it was more about just seeing the pieces out there. And the first thing that stood out to me, we knew it was going to be dual seven-footers with Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, but seeing them out there and seeing them move defensively, like they're a big team now. I remember after the finals, there was this call for upgrading the four spot, looking for someone like Jay Crowder. And a lot of the names that were coming out were guys that were like 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", because people looked at rebounding as a big issue after that finals. And I think rebounding is going to be maybe not a strength for this team, but it's going to be less of a weakness for them. But more so, they're just a... They had lineups out there where like TJ Warren was playing the three and they were just huge. And we see so many teams now, like they're going to play Chicago. Like they play Pat Williams at the four. You think about size-wise, I guess Milwaukee comes to mind with Robin Lopez and Giannis in their front courts, or, or Brooke Lopez, excuse me. But outside of that, man, like they're, they're just a really big team now and it's going to help them specifically on defense. Yeah, I mean, we saw him just just because of his. The thing about Kevin Durant defensively is he's he's long, right? He's smart and he doesn't move his feet very well because he's an older player. He doesn't move his feet great because uh, had surgeries on him and everything. But he's six ten and he's very long, so that that length gives him the ability. And he's a smart defender; like he knows where to be and what to do. And we, you know, we saw him impact that game a little bit defensively yesterday, especially inside when Williams took the ball at him, and he could play the five. You know, he could play the five. So, you know, there is a lot to like. You know, it, it's tough to lose Mikhail Bridges as your primary on-the-ball defender. Um, but, you you know, you're bringing back a player in Kevin Durant that is not just an offensive guy. He could play defense. I'm really excited to see the matchups coming up. I know that Chicago on Friday, they're not really that great of a team on paper, but they've been a really good defensive team this year. And then you look at the 1-2 of DeRozan and Levine, you look through the past couple of years at the teams we were looking at, like, okay, Mikhail's going to guard one of those guys, and then it's going to be Jay or Cam are going to take the other guy. It's like, okay, Josh Okogie is going to take one of those guys, but who's going to, like, is Devin Booker going to guard Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan? Is Kevin Durant going to take one of those matchups? We didn't really get to see that with Charlotte, of course, because of their their lack of talent overall. But then especially against Dallas, it's like, okay, is, is Devin Booker going to guard Luka? Like, or who's going to guard? Because we know Kogi's going to be on, on Kyrie Irving. Like, how does it go from there? Do you hide Chris Paul on someone? There's a lot from a matchup perspective that I'm really excited to see with everything we talked about there that could wind up helping them ultimately in the end. Gambo, I don't want to steal your schedule question, because I, I, I don't want to assume that no, you've got do. one. No, please but do. I, I know that that was one of the things we talked about in the first hour of the show, is, is that Charlotte probably about the softest landing spot you could have chosen if you're the Phoenix Suns with a couple of exceptions maybe it's going to get different maybe not so much with Chicago but you look at the last 19 games of the season there aren't a whole lot of Charlotte Hornets left I mean they're not all great but there are not very many of them that are that bad and so you really do start looking ahead in terms of true tests and how this is going to work there are a bunch that are coming up for this team aren't there I think it's a great thing to to be clear I know some people will look at the schedule and the standings and be a little trepidatious to wonder like, oh man, if this doesn't go so well, if they need some time to gel, will they fall to five or six? I wouldn't be worried about that at all. I would be more focused on how much better they're going to get because of the schedule. Not to keep comparing it to the last year or two, but whenever a game finishes, there's like 30 seconds left or whatever, I'll walk down and then I'll go in the press conference room and plug in my recorder. And I remember there were some games like this one against Charlotte where I'd plug in my recorder and I was like, they didn't get better from that game. They just won by 15 against the 25-win Thunder and they just, they didn't get better. And I kept looking 
looking at them over the course of the season, something we talked about during the 64 win year especially, was, okay, the teams that win the championship, they get better as the year goes on. Now, the Warriors did a really rare version of it where they just did it during the playoffs, which was which was crazy. But you look at Boston last year, for example, like you look at where they were halfway through the year, but how much they improved drastically. I think teams that win championships need to improve over the course of the year. And this schedule offers a ton of opportunities for them to improve because we're not going to keep going coming to this office and saying like, oh, well, like they didn't learn anything from that game, like the Charlotte game where like you can't really take much away from that except how they were using Duran, how it looked on the floor. But in terms of how they can improve and get better, the schedule offers just so many opportunities for that. And I think it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, listen, they got, you know, beat up by Boston, you know, last year when he, when he was with the Nets and, you know, and he had some struggles in that series. He had some real struggles, especially shooting a three and you know, got to the line quite a bit. I mean, he did get to the line a whole lot, but he didn't play his best basketball in that series. It does. That's why I want to see. I want to see what happens when they play teams that can defend, when they play teams like the Clippers who can defend or the Denver Nuggets who can defend and, you know, teams like that, you know, Milwaukee, you know, there are good teams out there that, you know, have the ability to defend because they've got, you know, you saw your team last night that had four kids 22 and under. Like that's, you know, that was a great landing spot for them. That's not a, that's a terrible, terrible basketball team. So I, I'm a big fan of, you know, schedules. Schedules matter. And that's why I'm really looking forward to the, the remainder of the schedule because there aren't many games like the Charlotte game left. I mean, Brinsey counted it. There were only like two or three. There's going to be a lot of good tests for Kevin Durant with the Phoenix Suns going forward. Yeah, and I think it's about how they use those games, Gambo, to improve from there and then just just get to the postseason off of that improvement because one of the, the, the pedigree of this team, specifically Durant's, though, is pretty crazy in the postseason. I know a lot of people, you just brought up one of his failures, for example. That was one of the rare runs, rare ones over the course of his career, and I kind of looked back for nuggets throughout his career, and one of them that I noticed is that nearly every time he stayed fully healthy through a postseason, the team that he lost to wound up winning the title. In 2010, he lost to the Lakers in the first round. They won a title. Lost in 2011 to the Mavs in the West Conference Finals. They won the title. Lost to the Heat in the Finals in 2012, the following year. One of the rare missteps was losing against the Grizzlies in a West Conference Finals exit for, for the Grizzlies, but then after that, they lose to the Spurs. The Spurs win the title. Wow. The Warriors. They lose to the Warriors. Of course, that's when he jumps ship. He wins two titles with them. They lose to the Bucks. You remember the foot on the line game? Mm-hmm. That was the same year the Suns and the Bucks played, and the Bucks mm-hmm. won it. Like he's been the he's been a low like the low key final boss of of the NBA without people really you get past me. You're gonna it. win, sort of thing. Yeah, it's a lot. happened more often than not. And and to me, the pedigree that he has in those types of games and facing that quality of competition, Booker has it, Paul has it, Aiden has it. Like that that part is fine. Like they don't need it for that, but they need it in season to kind of grow and get some chemistry going. The the, the nugget that you dropped last night on Twitter, and then you included in your story on ArizonaSports.com, and I agree with both of you for the record. There, there's very little outside of functionality that we can take out of last night's game, you know, how it worked. And there's not much you can take in terms of what it means big picture. But the the thing I took away more than anything, for the 12 minutes and 15 seconds of game time, KD was on the floor without Booker. Kevin Durant was 7 of 9 for 16 points, and the Suns were a plus 12. That to me, now look, I'm excited about Booker and Durant on the floor at the same time. But, (laughs) dot, 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 that that's because that's Chris Paul stuff, right? That's two years ago. Booker's sitting at the beginning of the second, the beginning of the fourth, but you're good because Chris is out there with the second unit. And it's functioning, it's working. That got a little sideways on them this year. This wasn't that to me is the real hidden benefit of no Devin Booker. You got Kevin Durant out there. You're going to be great. You're going to be fine.
nine. It's a number I'm going to be keeping an eye on the rest of the regular season, and it really channels and, and hammers home something I've been talking about a lot, which is there are concerns about the depth right now, and I understand why. Like, I understand it. It's clear. But if their four best players play to their capability and they play the level of basketball they're supposed to, they're going to win a championship. It's that simple because did it matter who was out there when Kevin Durant was shooting unguardable pull-up jumpers in the fourth quarter to kind of single-handedly revive the offense after it stunk up the joint for the last three minutes because the reserves were out there? No, it didn't matter who was out there with him. They just needed to do their job defensively in all, in all the other areas, which they did. And so then they, they cruised in that fourth quarter. Could have gotten pretty dicey there if you imagine back pre-Durant where we're looking, okay, the like campaign's got three minutes here to really help kind of get, can they get to the eight-minute mark before Booker comes in? Remember talking about that all the time? It's like, how far? DeAndre, same thing. Like, in the playoffs two years ago, it was DeAndre would go to the bench 90 seconds in, they got three offensive years. You're like, man, like, DeAndre's got to get back in there already. Like, they just can't. That doesn't really exist now because they have four of these super high-level players now, and Durant can come into these segments and just, if, again, seven of nine, 16 points in 12 minutes. He knew that was his time to cook a bit and it's it just makes them such a dangerous team and it's why for the depth yes it's a concern but if those four guys play to their ability they're going to win the title yeah Yeah, i mean we got a topic coming up just about chris because i think chris has to play better than that and there should be some concerns with the with the way chris has played but the bottom line to me is i i think they need more than just durant and booker i don't think you know that if everybody else is just playing mediocre or below average and booker and durant play really well i don't think it's enough i i think they would need more than that in order to win it and you look at the way that Aiden got his points last night specifically. Most of it was just off of the extra attention coming towards Booker and Durant. So I feel like DeAndre's is just going to come through his role, but Chris is really the big on Gamble. I completely agree where his individual performance and, and how he's looking physically is going to be a big thing here in the closing stretch. All right, Kellen, good stuff. As always, we look forward to reading your stuff on ArizonaSports.com. Embrace your dorkiness. Embrace it. It's all good. We love it. We good basketball it. team. Good basketball team. <laughs> we embrace it. We do embrace it. We love it. We love Kellen for stopping by. Kellen Olson, our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com, joining us in studio for his weekly segment. When we come back, it's not all positive rainbows or reviews, I should say, for the new Cardinals head coach. One of his former players, not happy with him. We'll share it with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo live from the Auction Community Studios. At least I'm live from the Auction Community Studios. Gambo's live from his office at home, working from home today. I am. You're on Burns and Gambo. I am. Yeah. Have we have we sponsored your office at home? We should. <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> we, know. We have. It's the auction. It's the Auction Community Studio here. Maybe it could be the Auction Community Studio there. Or the jacuzzi in his backyard could sponsor it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, you know, I guys, guys, I have not dumped in the jacuzzi yet. <laughs> yet. 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 As soon as we replay a taped interview, boom. He's in. He's gone. He's he's in there. One miscalculation. I mean, how many times? I mean, we worked from home for a year and a half. I made one miscalculation in a year and a half. <laughs> the alternative live it down. Have any of the Nippon professional baseball teams sponsor it, or any of the Bundesliga teams? Bundesliga. Bundesliga. The Bundesliga. 
Um, Eagles safety C.J. Garner-Johnson tweeted, then deleted a tweet <laughs> regarding his former defensive coordinator and now Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. This was a tweet from Elliot Shore Parks. We had him on the show uh, a bunch of times, a Philly talk show host that we've had on a couple of times to talk about the Eagles and Gannon. Um Elliot Shore Parks tweeted out, Jonathan Gannon on what went wrong in the second half of the Super Bowl. C.J. Garner Johnson tweeted out, you ain't put us in position to make plays. That's wow. what went wrong in the second half of the Super Bowl. Well, remember, you remember the motto. You know what the motto is, right? Uh, I've already forgotten the motto. What is There's the motto? There's always someone that, to blame. Of course. How can I forget that? that there is, is the always motto. somebody to blame. There's you lost the Super Bowl. Whose fault is it? John Gannon's fault. <laughs> it's Gannon's fault. Why? Because he didn't put us in a position to make plays. That's why we lost. You go to CJ Gardner. Why'd you lose that game? We lost that game because the, the defensive coordinator put us in terrible positions. There's always somebody to blame. He just he chose to blame the Cardinals' new head coach for the reason they lost the Super Bowl. I forgot the motto. I apologize for forgetting the motto. Do does it? Are we worried about this? Are we worried? No. That, are we worried that players are are a player? I don't want to make it sound like it's a bunch of them. Right. Are we worried a player is calling out Gannon like this? No, I mean I don't. I mean no, I don't think so. I mean, look, even even the best coordinators make mistakes. You know. I mean, there's there was a lot of things that happened in that game. If we go back to it, Mahomes had that that run of 27 yards, right? Okay, that was on that defense. Mahomes ran 27 yards. You got from the 44 yard line to the 17th. You had the holding penalty on Bradbury that was very controversial, uh, very controversial play. So there was a lot of things that that went into that game. I think when we come back and we look at it, we always say it was a holding play. It was a holding play. It was a you know you take that holding play out and who knows what's going to happen you know maybe it goes to overtime maybe, you know so but you know you've got a player here that's saying we just weren't put in a position to play remember they didn't touch Mahomes like they really didn't I mean it was they they did a great job of of um, the, the Kansas City's offensive line shut down the Eagles wanted pass rush yeah and so he what he's saying is that you didn't put us in a position to make plays and it wasn't just me it was the whole team like how did this defense that was so great again to the quarterback what four guys with over 10 sacks mm-hmm. you know how were they able to 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 stop them how about the kansas city offensive line i mean they did a great job that offensive line was fantastic so you know the eagles defense overall failed i mean this Chiefs scored on every single possession in the second half every single possession they scored they just overwhelmed the eagles the eagles had a defense that was like really ranked high how about the philadelphia didn't force a turnover they didn't have a sack so I think what he's talking about is, okay, look, we didn't force a turnover. We didn't get a sack. We got no pressure. We gave up big runs. A bit like it, like the defensive coordinator did, did a bad job. We look at one play, the holding penalty on Bradbury, but the players look at the overall overall game plan, and, and there was a lot of things that the Eagles were great at all year that they weren't really even 
that they were terrible at in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's it's funny that, okay, if you want to blame Jonathan Gannon for the Super Bowl, if you're Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, okay, I guess you can if you want. But I just I went to Spot Track, which is a website that calculates you know salary cap and earnings and things like that, because I wanted to see the free agents on the Philadelphia Eagles defense. I click on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's market value. <laughs> yeah. $13.3 million per year is what he's projected to make as a free agent this yeah, offseason. He had a great year. And, and it seems to me that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and this is probably why he deleted the tweet, like, dude, it's your fault. You put us in. You didn't put us in position to win the game. Well, it's also, Jonathan Gannon's also one of the reasons why you're about to make $13.5 million per year, right? Like, And like a lot of guys on that defense are in a position to make millions upon millions of dollars per year based off of the season that they had being coached by Jonathan Gannon. So be real careful about biting the hand that feeds. If you're any of these players and you're thinking about blaming Gannon for the reason why you lost the Super Bowl, maybe he is. Maybe it is his fault that you lost the Super Bowl. But the way that defense played during the regular season is going to get a bunch of guys on that team paid. Don't go bite, don't go bite in the hand that feeds. Don't yeah. go bite because they thirteen and a half million dollars. You weren't projected to make thirteen and a half million dollars a year ago. You had an unbelievable season, and he was a part of that. You got to respect that if you're Gardner Johnson. Yeah. It's frustration over the loss. It's frustration over how do we lose this game? You know, you know what happened to us, and so then you know you you, you take your frustrations out on somebody, and he would decided to take it on again. No, I'm not worried about this at all. You know, I mean. You know, I, I, I'm still worried overall. Let me try to put this around. I'm still worried overall about, you know, the Cardinals. Like, you know, the report that came out yesterday that gave them all the F minuses. Like, I'm yep. very concerned about that. Yep. And then, you know, they, they, they have a very young coaching staff. Yep. They hired a lot of coaches from college. Yep. So I worry about the budget. I wonder what kind of budget they had to do this. So I do worry about that. Jambo, and then Gaddon's never been a head coach before. You're you know so I mean? right to worry about all. I'm so worried about all that stuff, too. All I, of it. Yeah. So it's not like, am I worried about the one thing that, you know, that, that one player said? No, I'm not worried about the one thing that player said. But I am worried about the fact that here's a guy who's, you know, that's never been a head coach before. And, you know, he's got a pretty young staff overall. And whether they can have success or not. Now, maybe they can. Uh, and I'm not saying they can't. And I'm not saying they can. I don't know. None of us know. We'd be geniuses if we knew. Yeah, but I, you know, we, what you desperately hope for is you hope that this isn't the first coach that's going to get fired in this cycle of coaches that just got hired. No doubt. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, first, once again, a reminder, you can always text us your thoughts on anything we're talking about here on Burns and Gambo. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at 620-620. When we come back, all the top stories of the day, all in one segment, the 4 o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.